All right. So I want to address, we got a lot of feedback from that Dahmer yeah. answer. Yes, that's what I heard. Yeah, it's kind of going, uh, you know, we're getting viral yes. on it because I think yeah. a lot of people are watching it and yeah. they want to know. And you had a very strong response to right. it. And so I think, you know, do you want to follow up with any questions? We had so many questions and so yeah. many comments on our social yeah, media so about that. Yeah, so I think that. the thing is, is again, we're so moved by what people say. So saying you repent doesn't save you. Getting baptized, you know, doesn't save you. And again, what is Dahmer? What is Bundy? These are these are serial manipulative people. Yeah. And and that's what they do. And and again, I, I'm not a Dahmer uh, expert, but he manipulated his whole way through the trial, you know, guaranteed upfront that he would not receive the death penalty so he could be some guinea pig to study his brain. I think that's all a part of his manipulative tactics. And, um, you know, there was this high school class, a teacher posted on my Instagram, you know, our, our class said that you took that passage on murderers not entering heaven out of context. Well, how can you take revelation in context? I mean, we right. have dragons, we have virgins, we have the earth swallowing people. I mean, it's an extraordinarily difficult um, book of the Bible to take in context. And so I think it's pretty clear. I mean, murderers, there's an extraordinary grace that has to happen for, for people who intentionally, purposefully take the life of others. And Jeffrey Dahmer definitely falls into that category, luring people, um, desecrating bodies, doing horrific things. And again, um, I, I think so many of us, I, I, I honestly think it's so that we can excuse our own behavior, mm -hmm. believing that no matter what I do, I'm good. And, um, you know, um, you know, that's cheap grace. That's not, the, that's not, that's not why Christ died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross to give you permission to sin. He, he died on the cross to give you the power to turn from sin. And, uh, so it's my opinion and I could be wrong. And ultimately Jesus gets to decide. You don't get to decide. That's I don't right. get to decide. Our listeners don't get to decide where Dahmer is. But what, what I would say is I, I think, um, we're perverting grace when we, when we want to say, no, Dahmer, Dahmer, in his last moments can repent and come to Christ. And I was like, okay, I think that guy's conscience is seared. Uh, mm. I think there's something wrong with him. I'm not saying God can't save him. I just was saying, I, I don't believe that that's genuine. And honestly, I don't care if it is or not, right. because what he did was so grotesque. And I think uh, our listeners in the high school class are missing the point of what Paul is saying in Corinthians. He's saying, you guys are allowing sin in the church that the world won't even allow. And, 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 and for him, and I think what they were doing in Corinth was they were perverting grace. And we have a guy sleeping with his father's wife. Yeah. And in, in Roman culture, you could sleep with anybody, but not that. But in the church in Corinth, that's what we had. And so when the church is saying, no, 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 Jeffrey Dahmer is saved. And what we need to say is, who knows? Uh, but from Revelation, I think it's very clear that it's a rare thing when murderers uh, are, are going to have genuine repentance in turn. That's a, an extraordinarily rare thing. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's improbable that a serial killer whose conscience is seared, there's something deeply and probably unrepairably broken about a person who can do those mm. things. Mm -hmm. And again, I think we have a hard time labeling evil, saying yeah. that's evil, just and just handing him over to God and saying, man, God judge. And so, because what you end up having is you have victims potentially burning in hell, and we have the murderer in, in heaven, heaven forgiven. Mm -hmm. and, and these are extraordinary problems. And, and, and I think it's a misunderstanding of God's grace. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's highly unlikely and improbable. And, and again, I'm going to double down. I, I, I just, I, I don't think it's real. I, I don't know how 
you can believe anything hmm. someone like that says. And, and here's the thing I think we have a hard time. For people like Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, lying is like breathing. It's just what they do. Like for me, and I'm assuming for you, lying bothers me. It eats right. away at me. I struggle with it. It it feels it feels wrong. Mm -hmm. But to these people, it's just like breathing. Yeah. It's just, you know, I'm gonna say whatever I need to say to manipulate you to do what I want to do. And you know, Dahmer doesn't see people. Ted Bundy doesn't see people as people. Um, these are lab rats to be played with and toyed with um, because they are broken and um and i'm going to and again we'll all stand on judgment day and you guys can look at me if Dahmer's there i'll be shocked and surprised hopefully i don't have to room with him yeah um you know but <laughs> but I, I i don't think that's where he is and i think that we misunderstand um just what god's grace is about and instead of arguing over whether or not Dahmer has received it what i would say is our listeners need to give it to me and say okay well I disagree with Matt, so I'm going to give him grace. Because, you know, Colossians 3.13 says, make an allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who's offended you. That's really the context of grace. Um, you know, just this week, I, I got somebody who direct messaged me a question on Instagram for the show and said, my boyfriend has done this, done this thing to me three times. I've mm. not told my parents, but now I had to involve them. Um, what should I do? And I replied, what things mm. has he done? Because is it offensive right. or is it abusive? And, and so here's the thing is, she may need to ultimately give this guy grace, but if he's beating her, she doesn't need to forgive him and go back. Move on. If this has happened three times in your dating life, this is like, hello, <laughs> let's move on. And um, we can forgive him as the person, but that doesn't mean that we date him or we stay in a relationship with him. And so that's the thing that's so weird. And I, I said this, I think, at the 11 o'clock service at Hunter Park. Christians do not understand grace we do not have discernment with grace and we don't know how to dispense it. Mm -hmm. So we don't understand it. We don't know when to use it and we don't know how to use it. And so what happens? Oh, we got to give it to Dahmer yeah. or we won't give it to each other. We won't give it to this host. He's crazy. Okay. <laughs> you know, who have I murdered? Who have I eaten? Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, you know, I mean, it's so bizarre to me yeah. that we struggle. And so Colossians 3.13, I think really is kind of the manual for how we, we give this grace. And so we start with offense. We start with disagreement. We make an allowance for people that, man, you see something different than me, but murder is murder. Yeah. It's wrong. And, and we need to understand, again, you know, if he was truly repented, I think he would have asked for the death penalty because it's very clear. Uh, the Noahic covenant, and a lot of Christians don't realize that, but it's, it's, it's one of the many covenants that God enters in to a people and Jews believe the Noahic covenant is kind of the covenant to all peoples. So it's kind of your basic level of morality. Mm -hmm. And what that means is if you take someone's life, your life is required. Mm -hmm. um, and and we, are, we are called to enforce that. And some Christians have a problem with that, um, but that's a basic level of morality. And I think if he was truly repentant, he would have allowed himself to face the death penalty. But yeah. What is he doing? He's protecting his life to the bitter end. And I'm like, man, if Jesus could give up his life for the sins of the world, I think Dahmer would say, okay, I, I need to give up my life for the for the pain I've caused people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that's really, really important. And, and he should have argued for that if he was sincere. Maybe he did. I don't know. I'm not a Dahmer fan. I, I'm yeah. not a Dahmer follower. Yeah. So. Well, I think what I respected so much about your answer was the fact that we need to call out evil for what it is. And I think so many times in the 
context of grace yeah. or just in the culture that we live in, right. people don't like to point out this is wrong, like right. and stand on the fact that it's wrong and not have to gray it up or yeah. shadow over it. And so I love that that the church sometimes has a hard time calling out evil. Yeah. And then we And there's no grace. There's no yeah. grace for the devil. Yeah. The devil does not get grace. Absolutely not. He cannot repent. He cannot turn. He is the epitome of evil. His fate is sealed. Hmm. Absolutely. And um you know, we just need to understand that. And so when we when we enter into that, man, we have to be really careful because there are consequences for mm, our behavior mm-hmm. and we have to really guard against ourselves. You know, and they would say, well, Paul was not dabbling with the devil. He was mus- misunderstanding God. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually thought he was, he was doing good. I don't think Dahmer ever thought, hey, by dissecting this person and eating his kidney, mm-hmm. I'm actually doing something that's good. Um, what he what he did was horrific, absolutely, and, and and truly, truly evil. And so, I think the best that we can do as Christians is acknowledge. Maybe he did repent. Okay, we can acknowledge if he was baptized. I'm looking at our hosts; they said he was. Um, you know, I'm reading the Bible while you're watching Dahmer. So, um, <laughs> you know, what we can say is we acknowledge he got he got wet, but that doesn't save you. Absolutely. And we just throw that up to the Lord and right. say, man, this is. This is weird. Yeah. But again, I think this makes us look so stupid in the eyes of normal everyday people who understand evil. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gross. It's grotesque what he did. And again, if he's in heaven, I will be surprised and I will be wrong. And our high school students with all their wisdom, they will be, they will be right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we got a really cool question about, oh, I wanted to ask, okay, one more thing yes, on this. Yes. Can you explain for those who may not have ever heard that term before, a seared conscious? Yeah, a, a seared conscious is just, it's it's the it's really the point past repentance. And so, so here's what most Christians believe is that, you know, right up to the point of your death, you can repent and pray mm-hmm. to receive Christ. Here's the problem. What sin does Think of it, searing is like an iron. Yeah, You turn the iron on, but if you leave the iron on the ironing board, eventually it will burn it. Mm-hmm. Now, modern irons have technology that shuts it off, but let's assume that's not there. And it just starts burning it. Well, when something is seared, it burns first the skin, then the nerves. Once it burns past the nerves, you, you no longer can feel. You, right. can, you no longer know that you're burning. Mm-hmm. And that's what can happen to your conscience is you can go down this road. And that's why anybody right now that's headed down a road of sin, stop right now, yeah. repent and turn around. Because I think naive Christians say, no matter what you do, no matter where you've been, you can turn around at any time. Yeah, until you can't. Yeah. Until you can't. And uh, and I think that's the story of Lot in the Bible. And a lot of people don't know Lot. Lot gets to this point where he has to he has to choose between allowing angels of God to be raped or his daughters. Yeah. And he chooses his daughters. What's the moral of the story? Don't get there. <laughs> don't get there. Right. Don't get in a position where you're choosing between the angels of God and your daughters. But he has so seared his conscience. Mm-hmm. How? By repeatedly choosing uh, a different road from Abraham. The blessing is through Abraham. Lot goes his own way. I'm going to do my own thing. And even when God is merciful, his wife's conscience is so seared. Yeah. She has to look back. Mm-hmm. She, she, she has passed the point of, of no return, even though she's being forced, you know, and we think about this with our loved ones who get into drug addiction. And it's why drug addiction is so horrifically hard to change because once, once you become addicted, man, it's really, really hard 
to come back. And so she's addicted to sin. Her conscience is seared. Even when angel, the angels <laughs> of God pull her out of Sodom and Gomorrah, what does she do? She turns, turns around back. and looks back. Yeah. And she's she turns into a pillar of salt. And so that that's the moral of the story. And oh, by the way, look at what happens to Lot and his daughters. It continues. Yeah. Even though God intervenes, God saves, Lot continually chooses dysfunction, brokenness, yeah, over and, over. and ultimately gives birth to, you know, the nation of people who struggle forever uh, uh, with sin. And so, you know, th that's the moral of, uh, of that story is don't be Lot, be Abraham. Abraham was not perfect, but he chose God. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the right choice. And so I think a lot of people misunderstand that. And so, you know, if, if you feel bad for what you're doing, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. When you get to the point where you don't feel bad, that is a terrible, scary. terrible, scary thing. And I would encourage you to come to church this weekend and just say, man, I don't feel bad anymore. Pray for me because you need a biblical intervention. You need, you need God's angels to convict you quickly of your sin. And I hope I never get to the place where I don't feel convicted for yeah, sin. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that's what I mean by seared. And, and that's just repeatedly, repeatedly, excuse me, rejecting God saying, I'm going to yeah. go my own way. And, and each time, you know, you hear less and less of the voice of God until you hear nothing. Yeah. You know, that's scary. <clears throat> that's yeah. a scary place to be. I think, uh, that's a good warning for all of us. We cannot keep strong arming the Holy yeah. Spirit and yeah. then thinking, well, at some point I'm going to wake up or I'm going to respond. Yeah. You don't want to get to the point where you cannot respond anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul, Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You can push the Holy Spirit so mm -hmm. far away that you no longer hear him or feel him. Yeah. So here's another really cool question. Does the book of Revelation scare you? Well, um, no, um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think that, that, Again, the point of Revelation is Revelation 21 and 22. The king will sit on the throne. He will heal, he will heal the nations. Uh, all things will be set right. I know that it bothers a lot of Christians. And I think that we've misread Revelation. And uh, what I'm about to say is going to blow a lot of Christians' minds. Um, when you read Revelation, um, it's really the Bible uh, uh, backwards to front. Mm. And so, so read through it, read through the stories, um, you know, uh, Joshua is in the background. Um, you know, there's a lot of old Testament characters in the background and he's replaying it with a new picture. And so, uh, so many of us think that the book of revelation is pointing to the future. I think it's reinterpreting the past. And what it's saying is, look, these things are happening right now, but ultimately God wins. And, um, you know, the early church would not have thought that, you know, um, those who invade the North or Russia, Gog or Magog, and you know, every generation identifies it with their enemy, <laughs> yeah. you know, or China or this or that. Ultimately, what we need to understand is um, the seven churches in Revelation were doing really good, but they had some flaws and some things that they missed. But God is at work, and no matter what happens, you know, somebody asked me um, last, last week at church, actually, why would God re-release the devil? Hmm. You know, and I was like, great question. Um, a lot of people have a lot of answers. None of them make sense to me. I, I think it's it's a picture of what the church was presently experiencing with Nero. Um, you know, a lot of people say, what does 666 mean? It probably spells out uh, Nero C uh, Caesar. So if you take the Greek um, letters, you turn them into Hebrew uh, 
letters and then you do numerology and you add them together, it comes up to 666. Wow. So, um, you know, that's not what people want to hear because they think it's a future number. But for Christians being burned at the stake, having their heads cut off and watching their children fed to lions, the Antichrist is Nero. Mm -hmm. And um, um, and probably, you know, uh, some manuscripts say that the number is 660. Some say the number is 666. It's just the change of spelling of, ne uh, of Nero Caesar from Latin to Greek. And so um, I can't remember which way it is, but if you spell it in Latin, it comes to 660. If you spell it in Greek to Hebrew, it comes to 666. And so that's why we have two separate numbers, but it's numerology saying, Hey, this guy's, this guy's nuts. You got to get through it. And, and, and far too often Christians fail to realize that the book of revelation was written to help out believers in their present circumstance when, what, when, when, with what they were actually going through. And I think that's the contextual lens that most people fail to realize. And so, um, we can debate about what it means for us today, but it meant something to the early church. It meant something to those believers, something that they were going through, um, you know, to those believers who were beheaded, mm -hmm. to those believers who were mourning, how long, oh Lord. Uh, Revelation is written as an encouragement to them who are going through an extraordinary tribulation and Revelation 21 and 22 is coming that God is going to work it out in the end. He's going to bring healing to the nations mm -hmm. and he's going to save us. Um, you know, so hold on, hang in there. Um, God is going to judge the murderers, yeah. but also the cowards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a lot of people don't realize that the cowards, the dogs who are on the outside. Mm -hmm. And so maintain your courage. Don't lose your faith. Hang in there to the end because we know who wins right now, even though right now it feels like we're losing. And so, um, so, so revelation does not scare me. Um, yeah. because again, I, I know the ending. Yeah. So God wins in the end. Yes. Awesome. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a new season of the Debrief Podcast with Pastor Matt Brown. This is the podcast where author and Pastor Matt Brown answers all of our current issues shaping our culture and answers them from a biblical perspective and answers all of your questions about Christianity. I'm Donna Martin. I get to be your host. Yeah. How you doing? I'm super excited to be here, man. <laughs> Another rough, cold open. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. It was... It no was, softballs here. No. That was really good. I, I'm... I love it. I love um, these questions and I love that everybody gets to call in or not call in. That would be cool if people called in. That would yeah. be kind of scary yeah, actually because yeah. it would be really on the spot. But yeah. I love that people get to ask their questions. You can submit them through the app. Um, go to move.sc forward slash ask and you can also answer your ask questions there. Tell us about this amazing sermon this weekend on grace. I, <clears throat> I love that you said that we constantly need this reminder yeah. of grace. And I think that's for for all of us, for the one that feels like they're killing it in their yeah. relationship with Jesus, mm -hmm. right? They're reading their Bible, they're doing devotions, all the way to the one that's not even sure if God loves them. Yeah, I think yeah. all of us need this reminder of grace. Yeah, and it's what, you know, we were in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter two, uh, the most famous verse is, for it is by grace you have been saved. Uh, you know, and this this is not a work, uh, lest no one should boast. Uh, and even, even our faith is not of ourselves. It's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. 
And it's just so cemented in that chapter of you were dead in your sins. Mm -hmm. And I think we live in a culture and a world where we're, we're hyper aware of everybody else's sins. We're ignorant of our own sins. And I hope that our listeners really resonate and pray about and think about that first point without God's grace, I would be just like everyone yeah. else. And we, we need to, and again, because we don't recognize that, it's why we don't worship. Mm -hmm. It's why we don't think we need to come to church. It's why we don't think we need small group because we don't realize without God's continued grace, we are an absolute mess and, and we need that. And so really there's two aspects of grace. There's a saving grace that we do not earn, that takes no effort. Yeah. We're saved by faith. And even that is not of ourselves. But then there's the grace that sustains us, uh, that changes us, that develops us. And, and that's the grace that Peter is talking about. You know, you need to grow in grace. Mm -hmm. You need to make an effort to grow. How, how can I make an allowance for someone else who's offended me, hurt me, wounded me? Uh, how do I treat this person at work that's so awful they're racist they're 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 a bigot and mm -hmm. and that's really what christians are are facing you know is 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 uh religious bigotry i mean that's what our culture is is just baptized in is you know in inclusivity means everything but christianity yeah you absolutely. know i mean you can worship a head of lettuce just don't worship jesus and so we have to learn to operate grace paul says this always let your words be seasoned with grace salt when you speak to those outside the church. And so we need to learn to do that. So so we need it. Uh, if you didn't listen to the sermon, please listen to the sermon. I was just as convicted um, as the one who preached it, as mm -hmm. I think many people who heard it. I ended with the story of the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet yeah. the Sound. Um, for those who don't know the story, he was actually a slave trader uh, who transported slaves from Africa to uh, the Americas and, and, and was haunted by a song that they sung that yeah. he, he could not understand their language, but he did, un, did understand the rhythm. And when he became a born again Christian, he took a song, Amazing Grace, and he penned the lyrics to the rhythm that he heard mm -hmm. of you know, those slaves. And I, I just can't even imagine you know, what that was like, but that's why he says, Amazing Grace that saved a wretch yeah, like me. And so that word wretch, right, is the worst possible sinner, uh, a disgusting human being. But he had a genuine encounter with God and he repented and he, and he was changed. And he was transformed. And, um, and his story is ultimately what led to the abolition of slavery in England, uh, ultimately in the Americas that was cemented in the Civil War um, and, you know, took, you know, the civil rights movement and even today, just continually moving to say, look, God loves all people and, um, and we are called... Um, to be brothers and sisters. And I just thought that's so amazing. You know, he saw them as property. Grace changed his mind and he saw them as people. Mm -hmm. uh, he saw them as black and grace changed his mind and he saw them as brothers mm -hmm. and sisters. Mm -hmm. And that's what grace does is it, it not only creates a relationship with God, but it creates a relationship with each other. And, you know, we can have disagreements, we can have wounds, we can have hurts, but at the end of the day, God's grace isn't just between me and God, but it's between me and you. And that's what makes it amazing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember a couple years ago, my nephew, his name is Warren <clears throat> and he was like four and he learned the word amazing. And, <laughs> and, and, and it cracked me up every time he said it because he would see something and he would go, that's amazing. <laughs> and because, but he would change his tone because that's how you should say the word Absolutely. amazing. And, and it cracked me up, man. He was, that's amazing. That's amazing. And he would like, like, like act like he was going to die when he mm. said it. And I would just 
just die laughing because he learned this word yeah. that meant something incredible. And, and that's what grace is. Grace is amazing. And we should be blown away by it every week in church. And so hopefully our, our listeners will double down on grace. Yeah. And, um, and you're like, well, what about Jeffrey Dahmer? Well, <laughs> Hand him to the Lord. His fate is sealed. <laughs> yeah. We need grace for ourselves. For each other. Yeah, and yeah. for each other, yeah. Absolutely. I think, yeah, we. It, it is so easy just to talk about some outsider, someone yeah. we don't know, like Dahmer. Goodness gracious. I, know, I, I, know. I can't even figure out why we're still talking about Dahmer. <laughs> but, um, but have no grace for the people in our own home, yeah. for our children, for the people in our church that we may not disagree with. I thought that was such a good point that... Uh, for marriages. We need yeah. grace in our marriages. We need grace when it comes to our children. If we're going to teach them grace or we yeah. want them to be gracious, yeah. we have to be gracious toward them. So that was so good. We have a lot of amazing, amazing questions that have come in. Thank you guys for sharing your questions. Again, if you have questions, listen to the sermon, or you just have questions in general about something that's going on in culture, go to move.sc forward slash ask. This is a good one from England. Yes. Ellie from we love England. The English. We love the English. I don't think that was an English accent. Sorry, yeah. Ellie. Sorry, Ellie. Um, you said in your message, Pastor Matt, that mm. the world can't show grace because they haven't experienced it. Right. But how come some non-believers are still so kind and loving to the people around them? Yeah, yeah. So again, so I think we're using the word kind, we're using the mm -hmm. word loving. And I think that those are attributes that that all people have. Muslims have it, atheists have it, Buddhists have it, uh, non-Christians have it, um, because all people are created in the image of God. So um, all people have, not all people, but most people have some level of love, some level of kindness. It's actually um, an odd thing if someone has no level of love yeah. and so level has no level of kindness that that's an unusual thing um that's a that's probably a deeply broken deeply hurt person uh who's wounded and is not getting better so what i'm not saying is they can't be kind um we're using different words mm -hmm. uh so kindness is a a general disposition of nice that's not grace so i should be nice to you mm -hmm. i should be loving to you yeah Grace is doing what I should not do for you. So kindness is what you deserve. Love is what you deserve. Grace is 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 not what you deserve. Grace is overboard. Great grace is lavished, um, is lavishing something on someone who's hurt you, wounded you, done something to you. Um, it is responding to wounding with kindness, with love. And so uh the world cannot give what they have not received. And so that's why I think. You know, I, I said in my message, the Irish are chanting with joy in their hearts, yeah. put her in a box. A hundred thousand of them. You know, um, meanwhile, your country, the English, are grieving. I don't know if she's grieving the loss of a dearly loved queen. And as far as I can tell, a sweet woman. Yeah. You know, um, and, it's, and it's our inability, I think, as a culture. And I'm not saying everybody felt this, but many people felt this, um, that she should suffer yeah. for the sins of her people and 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 for the um the role of her government in colonization and the slave trade and and all of these things and it's um it's because unfortunately the UK most people are not christian in ireland again they've abandoned their faith because of largely because of the abuse scandal of the catholic church um you know 20 30 years ago uh, ireland was more catholic than italy but 
unfortunately, you know, um, it, it came out, all of the abuse, all of the sexual molestation of so many kids. And so now, uh, you know, Ireland is as atheist and non-religious as the rest of Europe. Wow. And so they lack grace, the, the inability to forgive and, and say, okay, you know, I'm not saying it was right. I'm not saying it was okay, but I am going to give grace, the same grace that God gave me while I was dead in my sins. And so that's all I'm saying is, is grace is a miraculous thing. It is a supernatural thing. It is a gift from heaven that is not manifested on earth. It's not found on earth mm -hmm. unless we have an experience with God from heaven. And mm -hmm. so that's what I mean. And so we have to be careful that, you know, I think in uh, kind of in the modern world, we want to lump words together. So I asked on my, um, on my Instagram account, give me one word that if everybody lived would make them different from everybody else. And if they don't have, would make them the same as everyone else. And a lot of people said love. And so when I said grace, the, here's the feedback I got. Well, same thing. Yeah. Well, it's actually not. Mm -hmm. It's actually not. So God loved you. And so he gave grace to you. And those are separate things. Um, because, you know, you're married. You, you can love Devon but not give him grace, Absolutely right? right? That's a separate thing that must be extended. And I have to do the same thing for Tammy. Um, and, and you would think that love is enough. So you would automatically give grace and no, my love for Tammy is unwavering uh, and unchanging, but my grace is all over the place because grace is a supernatural act every time it's given. Um, that's what makes God's grace so amazing is it was given once and once we experience it, it cannot be taken from us. So when he gives grace, man, it is it, it has been spoken and it is, you are forgiven, you are under his grace and you don't have to worry about that. What we have to worry about is, am I living according to that grace? Am I giving it to others? Am I giving it to myself? Mm -hmm. And so grace means unmerited favor. It's giving someone something they don't deserve. Yeah. Um, and that's why so many people, I, what makes me so sad is everyone thinks they're gonna do fine on judgment day because- they think they're going to get good things for what they deserve. You don't want what you deserve. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah, you, you want grace. Yeah, and grace is, is, is not what we deserve, but it's what we can have in Christ. And so, so I would just really encourage you to redefine uh, grace for yourself. What was her name? Ellie. Ellie. So redefine grace mm -hmm. and, and realize that despite modern culture, we want to make words mean the same. They actually are, are different words. And so love is a word, kindness is a word, and grace is a word. They may have some similarities, mm -hmm. but they're not the same mm -hmm. thing. Um, and, and we need to allow uh, grace to be grace. And especially as Christians, um, because we don't think, we, because we don't understand grace, we don't understand how that should make us different. Yeah. And so when we go back to the author who says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. Um, he didn't say love. He didn't say kindness. He said grace. And there's a reason for that. And we need to understand what that is and truly try to not only receive it for ourselves. What, what would your life look like today if you realize that through Jesus, you've received what you don't deserve? Mm -hmm. And, and that is forgiveness, complete forgiveness. Your sin is as far as the East is from the West. They are remembered no more, not because you deserve it or you've earned it, but because Christ earned it and he just gave it to you freely. And so that's what should make us different. And here's the truth is, I don't think Ellie has probably seen it in believers and that makes me sad. Yeah. There should be something that's different by us. And so Jesus says that we will be known by our love. And so agape love, the love that he's talking about, will be known because of our grace. 
uh, our grace for ourselves, grace for each other, and just this just this category where we we learn to love people in spite of themselves, mm-hmm. and, and that's what it means. And so it doesn't mean that we ignore sin or pretend there isn't sin because we need grace and truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need both, but um, but we need we need to have a deeper understanding of grace and a deeper relationship with grace. Yeah, I think that our culture, I, I think that was perfect answer because kindness and grace could be. There's an attribute of yeah, you sure. know, kindness in grace. But I think our culture very much lacks grace. I yeah. mean, I, I believe you said this on Sunday, the cancel culture that we yeah. live in says you get no grace. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Once you make a mistake, it's over. Yeah. We don't extend forgiveness. We cut you out. And so uh, it is amazing to know that the God who knows everything about yeah. us has yeah. given us everything. Yeah. And and um, yeah, so good. Thank you, Ellie. I appreciate that, that yeah. question. Um, this one kind of tags on the end of it from Haley and San Bernardino. Yeah, she England said, to San Bernardino. Love San it. San Bernardino. The reach of sandals. Haley from the Dino says, that's where I'm from, <clears throat> yeah. from the Dino. Ephesians talks a lot about God's love, mercy, grace, and kindness for us. So this is such so good. I cannot wait to hear your answer. What do we do with stories in the Old Testament? Stories like Noah's Ark, right. Sodom, which you kind of yeah. hit on, and several other instances where God inflicted pain, killed, and rained down his wrath on his people. Right. Can you explain how are we to believe God is a loving God when there are so many accounts in the Bible where he wasn't? Right. And so what I would say is, what was her name? Her name is Haley. Haley. What I would say is, Haley, we are we are reach, we are reading an ancient document through mm-hmm. a modern lens, and so we need to understand that this ancient document that has been around for thousands of years. Um, and so here's the thing: is Genesis chapter one to Genesis chapter twelve until we get to Abraham probably predates the Jewish people. So uh, the Noah story is not just found in the Bible; it's found in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. It's found. I think I think it's in sixty different cultures. Wow. Have a story of the earth flooding, uh, there being destruction. And here's what's interesting. All cultures, regardless of their religion, believe that it was there was a direct consequence between the sin of the people of the earth. Think about this. Even Native Americans believe this, mm-hmm. that there was something that human beings were doing that was so egregious that they had to be judged. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's incredible. And so... Um, Noah is this is this story of God's judgment on the earth through the lens of the Jewish people and their understanding as it relates to their people, their struggle, their being chosen. And so we just have to understand um, we have a different perspective nowadays that has been shaped by thousands of years of Judeo-Christian history. These people, when you go back thousands of years ago, have not been shaped. Mm-hmm. They've never heard of Jesus right? They never heard the verse that we read, Father, forgive them Mm -hmm. for they know not that that doesn't exist yet. And so they live in a different culture. They live in a different context. Having said that, let's talk about Sodom. Abraham pleads for Sodom. He says, if there are 50 righteous people, God, will you judge Sodom? Will you judge Gomorrah? The Lord says, no, I won't. Well, Abraham knows better. Well, what if there's 40? Mm -hmm. What if there's 30? What if there's 20? What if there are 10? God says, I will not judge a mega city if there are just 10 good people in it. Here's what, Haley, you need to be reminded that when the angels came to see for themselves how bad Sodom and Gomorrah was, it says all the men of the city came to rape them. All. Young to old. Young to old. All of them came to rape these angels. Um, And they wouldn't take no for an answer. Right. And so, right, in that story, Lot can't appease them. And so the city's so bad, so corrupt, so evil, his solution is to give his daughters. 
and and it's I mean just I, I just want you to understand that. So so what do you do once again back to the Dahmer? What do you do with people whose consciences are seared? Mm-hmm. What is God's response when human beings will rape angels? Mm-hmm. God's response is I'm done. Yeah, y'all got to this go. This is over. You have to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's hard for us because we've become so accustomed to evil, we don't know how to judge it. We just live with it every day. Absolutely. Like right right now, today as we speak, uh, we have a leader, Vladimir Putin, who has fired missiles, I think 80 missiles today, mm-hmm. just at cities, killing men, women, and children. And we live in a world where we're going to negotiate with him. And, and the reason we're going to do that is because he has nukes, right? So we can't we can't deal with him because he can rain down. That's that's humanity today, um, and we don't know how to deal with that. Our best leaders have no idea how to how to deal with that uh, because we don't know how to deal with evil. Here's the good news: God knows how to deal with mm-hmm. evil. And um, so here's the moral of the story, Haley: When God judges, it's final. So Sodom and Gomorrah no longer exist. They are no longer here. Back with, you know, the flood of Noah, um, God had repeatedly given grace. God had spoken to them. They understand his truth, but the world became so bad and so evil that not just Sodom and Gomorrah, but the entire world had to be remade Yeah, because we have this propensity towards evil that's insatiable. Like it can't stop. Um, and, and we all believe this lie, right? So if I just have sex, my sexual desires will be satisfied. No, new desires will be awakened. Um, you know, we, you and I were joking about Krispy Kremes, right? Mm-hmm. If I can just have one, I'll be happy. No, now you've downed 12, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you need box. a gallon of milk to <laughs> right. wash your sins away, right? right. <laughs> um, you know, that's the thing with sin is it doesn't satisfy. It yeah. just grows the monster. That's right. And so that's, that, that's what the story of Genesis is about. God made everything perfect, but he gave us a choice. We chose evil. And because of that choice, no matter what God does, we continue to choose evil. And here's the point, we cannot save ourselves. So, you know, how, how, is, how is God different? Well, God is different in Jesus. And so when you read the Old Testament, Jesus is the best version of Abraham. Jesus is the best version of Jacob. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the best version of Isaac. They're pictures, but that's the woman at the well, right? Yeah. Are you greater than our, our our father, Jacob, who gave us as well? Because Jacob didn't like ugly women. Remember Leah? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a woman who's been rejected by five men. Are, are you going to love me better than Jacob did? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Because I have a new water. I, I have a new well. There's something in me that Jacob didn't have, right? Mm-hmm. Jacob was a liar, mm-hmm. but... Jesus is a truth teller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Jacob wrestled with God. Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, Abraham was put to sleep for the sacrifice of God. Jesus is the sacrifice of God. Um, you know, Isaac would create the 12 nations of Israel. Jesus would create the 12 disciples for the world. And so he's this picture. Same thing with David. Uh, David was a man of God's own heart, but committed adultery and mm-hmm. and murdered to cover it up. Um, Jesus died for the adulterers. Um, Solomon was wise, but, you know, um, yeah. constantly thought with his sexual drive, right? <laughs> right? He was a disaster and a mess. Um, Jesus is wisdom and had no wife. He took no wife. And so we need to understand that Jesus 
is the fulfillment of everything and every story um, because those stories couldn't uh, paint an accurate picture and those people couldn't be an accurate picture of who God is. Only Jesus could. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we look for him. We wait for him. We wait for someone greater than Moses, right? Moses lost his temper Mm -hmm. and he wasn't allowed to go in the promised land. Jesus didn't. And he brought us in to the promised land. And so we just need to remember that, that, that Jesus personifies the goodness of God um, perfectly. And so, um, and, and those Old Testament scriptures <clears throat> are, are, are difficult. So we must interpret them through the lens of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how you get an accurate picture of God. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Um, so this is from Anthony in Himmet. And for those who are in counseling or therapy, how yeah. much responsibility should people take for how they were raised versus who they are now? Yeah, so you need to take zero responsibility for how you're raised. Um, children are subject to uh, the decisions of their parents. And that's why, man, if you're a parent, I would encourage you to pray you know, far more uh, over your parenting than you currently do because you're shaping your kids. And, uh, you know, Tammy and I are in counseling and every, every time we drive home from counseling, she wants to call all of our kids and just be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> because some of the brokenness from her childhood, right? She just extended to our children mm-hmm. because that's what you do. Um, love is scary. Mm-hmm. So you are not responsible for any of the decisions of your parents. What you are responsible for is the meaning you attach to it and how it affects your adulthood. So what you need to focus on is not okay, here's what happened, but how have I let that impact me? And then how do I need to change who I'm going to be as an adult? Because you don't have to be what you know what you were raised as a child. You have to make a decision to say, look, I'm not gonna be this, I'm not gonna do that. When you slip back into it, mm-hmm. apologize it, own it, uh, and, and encourage people around you to identify it and challenge it. Uh, because it's hard to change who you are. It's hard to change how you were raised. And I think as Christians, we fail to understand why resurrection is so necessary. We must be raised to, to, to new life because ultimately we can't change ourselves yeah. in this life. So we need to die mm-hmm. and be raised. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a, a symbolic picture. It's an actual need. Mm-hmm. We need to die to the sins in our life, to the things that happened to us and the things that we did to ourselves. We need to die to that and be raised. Um, but what I would just say is uh, identify it. You don't grow by covering it. You don't grow by making excuses. And again, I don't think that the purpose of therapy should be to be angry at your parents. Oftentimes, unless there's abuse, our parents did the best that they could. Yeah. Um, and they were operating. Um, when I was a kid, I don't know about you, Donna, but I thought my parents knew everything. I thought they had all the answers. And then I became a parent. I was like, oh my gosh, I have no idea uh, what I was doing. I was just talking uh, with my daughter at um, lunch on Sunday after church. And she talked about how the movie E.T. has scarred her for life. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, I'm the one. I'm the one that put that VHS tape in. I'm the one that that told her this is a good idea to watch this, um, and and it really messed with her. And I was wow. like, I was like, man, I'm I'm just so sorry. And you know, I I didn't know that what you know, I probably didn't pray about it. Probably didn't think about it. I didn't see it as a scary movie because I was a 35 year old dad and mm-hmm. it wasn't scary to me, but when you're five or six, E.T. Right. is freaky, he's man. Creepy. A glowing finger, yeah. Yeah. you know, he likes Skittles. I mean, what else, you know, and what he's else? he's living like, yes, he could be in, in her closet. closet. Yes. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. So 
uh, I, I made so many mistakes and you will too as a parent, but you right. will make less mistakes if you pursue healing. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and again, let's go back to grace. That's where you have to make a choice to give grace. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't need to confront your parents for every single thing. You just need to say, okay, God, I'm going to make an allowance mm-hmm. for their faults and I'm going to forgive them for mm-hmm. what they, what they did to me. Um, I, that doesn't mean crimes. That doesn't mean, you know, like criminal acts. Those things <laughs> need to be prosecuted. You know, we don't just, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I got raped. Grace, you know, right. that, that, that's not what that is. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we call the authorities, we bring about justice. Right. Uh, that's important mm-hmm. um, because we live in a country where hopefully justice can be served. And so we need to not just forgive those things right. and move on. Um, but especially with just, maybe you weren't told that you were loved, you weren't cared for, you didn't feel safe, you didn't feel secure. That's probably because your parents didn't mm-hmm. feel loved. They didn't feel safe. Yeah. They weren't secure. Um, you know, I remember, you know, being so sad because we couldn't afford the 75 cents for lunch at school. Think about that. Mm. So when I was a kid, the teachers would come by your desk and they would put one, two or three quarters on your desk. So you were either a third government support, you were, you know, two quarters government support, or you got the The full full thing. And the teachers would make our, put our heads down and they would come by and put the quarters on our um, desks for, for, for lunch my parents probably could have qualified for some aid, but it was, times were different. They, they, they did not Hmm. want, you know, to, to receive aid. And so I didn't get the cool cafeteria lunch, you know, but they were doing the best they can. And so I don't need to hold them accountable because you know what? I, I, I felt like I was unworthy because I couldn't afford 75 cent lunch. Well, what, how did my mom and dad feel? Mm Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my parents were college educated, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we were struggling. I didn't realize how hard economically the late 70s and early 80s were. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, but those were tough times. Mm. I think my mom said they their first home was like 12% interest rate on their oh, house. Wow. Yeah, 12. Um, uh, you had to put like 30% down on a home. Times were really, really tough. Um, and they really struggled, but they did the best they could. And so- what I have to work on is, okay, what does that mean about me? Do I have an unhealthy relationship with material things providing value for me? That's what I think everybody uh, in poverty does. You know, I, I read the statistic that 80% of all Mercedes Benz are, are purchased by minorities and people in poverty. Yeah, absolutely. Because they want that symbol mm-hmm. that says, I'm not I can afford was, this. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, Bill Gates is buying a shirt at Costco. You know, I'm like, I'm like he could own Costco. He may own Costco, <laughs> but he's getting his shirts there. Right. Uh, you know, who's the guy from uh, Meta? Zuckerberg. Yeah, he, have yeah. you seen him dress? I mean, it's yeah. like, he doesn't care. Yeah. Like that dude's, you know, Applegate's like, yeah, let's tech you guys <laughs> and we don't care. Um, he doesn't care. But, yeah. but when you're poor, right, mm-hmm. you want to change, you know, how you look. And that's probably why I care so much about labels. You know, um, I remember trying to create my own labels on my clothes when I was a kid to make them look real. Like <laughs> I could, awesome. I, you know, the name brand when I was a kid was Lacoste. Mm-hmm. So the cheaper version was La Tigra. That was, <laughs> that was like the Coles version. We didn't have Coles. It was called Mervin's. Was it Mervin's? Yeah. We- yeah. Mervin's. Um, and so, you know, um, I would try to draw like a little leopard and put it on my shirt because I was an unhealthy three. I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. That's the Enneagram lingo. But what I would say is just, is really, really work through that. A book that's really helped me is How We Love. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of the author's name. Could somebody shout out the name? Um, it's Miles something, Yurkovich or Yurkovich or something. Miles yeah. Yurkovich, was I right? Miles Yurkovich. And that book 
I have never felt more exposed hmm. reading a book. My wife had like panic attacks reading it because it brought up her childhood hmm. and just how she felt. But if we're not going to go in the dark room, man, we can't bring our relationships That's into true. the light. And so we, we did it. We've worked through it. Um, I've discovered that my strategy as a child, and so think about how it relates to my Enneagram. I'm what's called uh, a dismissive avoidant. Hmm. So what is the three core sin? Lying. So I dismiss it. That's not true. That didn't happen. In unhealth, I go to the nine, the nine's core sin, avoiding. I'm a dismissive avoidant. And I was like, ooh. Uh, and I know there's a bunch of Enneagram haters, but it is true, <laughs> uh, you know, for me. Um, and I really realized, and so when I'm talking with Tammy, she will ask me, what are you dismissing? What are you avoiding? Mm. And Gosh. so, and so my wife's what's called the vacillator. So she's all in or all out. Like you're amazing or you're crazy, mm -hmm. right? I mean, she lives in like the bipolar universe, man. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying she's bipolar. It's just things right. are Extreme. one way or the other, the other. extremes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you are safe or you're the enemy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Man, so imagine that with I'm dismissing and avoiding. So it's been really good for us. I would encourage anybody out there. Uh, I think Tandem Marriage, uh, it's a great couple at our mm -hmm. church. They use, I think they use that book um, for their stuff. And uh, I would just really encourage you to work through your stuff. But, yeah. you know, you just need to own it, what happened to you, but you're not responsible for it. Absolutely. Long that, answer to a short question. No, that was really good. Working through our stuff. I, there's another one here about parenting, so we can go right into yeah. that. It says, I'm getting ready to have my first baby. My husband and I grew up being taught very different things about homosexuality. Right. I do not have an issue with it, and my husband has a serious problem with it. Mm. When it comes to raising our daughter, we constantly argue over what to teach her. Yeah. I want to teach her to show grace and love to those who live a life that's different from hers rather than condemn them. Mm. How would you go about having this conversation? Right. So condemn. So again, mm -hmm. what's the difference between words? Mm -hmm. So uh, condemnation is something that only God should do. And mm -hmm. so you're absolutely right. Um, you know, homophobia leads to violence towards mm -hmm. the gay community that's abhorrent and disgusting and wrong. And we should never as Christians be a part of or approve hurting somebody because they are different. That's just, mm -hmm. it's it's evil. I yes. mean, that's evil. Um, so we shouldn't condemn it. Now, having said this, it doesn't matter ultimately what your husband thinks about homosexuality. And it doesn't matter what you think about homosexuality. Right. It doesn't matter what I think about homosexuality. That's why we're in this series called Different. What matters is what does God think about gay sex? And we need to say that gay sex, mm -hmm. um, because there's a difference between being gay and having gay sex. Mm -hmm. Like I am a heterosexual, so I am attracted to women. Mm -hmm. You're a heterosexual, correct? Yes. Yes. So yes, you're sir. attracted to men. Yes. Um, you are not sinning because you're heterosexual, correct. Um, but you can sin as a heterosexual. Same thing with homosexuality. Just because you have an attraction doesn't mean that you are actively involved in sin. And so what God is talking about is sex. And sex matters for two main reasons. Number one, because it's the way we become one. So God is one. So as Christians, sex, when we have sex, we are reflecting who God is. Mm -hmm. So God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is one. When a husband and wife come together, they are one yeah. flesh. Think about that. So for us, it's not just physical. It's not just a moral issue. It's a spiritual mm -hmm. reality. So um, we come together and we are one flesh. And so number two, it produces life. So we are like God. So, so when you go to Genesis 1, God creates uh, 
uh, mankind in his own image. How does he create them? Male and female. Why? Because they can come together and be one and they can produce life. That's how we are like God. Mm -hmm. um, we are like God because we are different and yet can become one and we can produce life. Mm -hmm. That is a gift from God. So sex for the Christian, um, all sex, uh, oral sex, you know, uh, vaginal sex, you know, I mean, heterosexual sex, right? All of that is spiritual for us. And so uh, we're going to be called to live differently than the world. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't condemn them, but we have to have judgment for ourselves. And so here's another word game I'm going to play. There's a difference between judgment uh, and being judgmental. Mm -hmm. We have to have judgment, what's right, what's wrong. And so what I would say is you're going to have to raise your daughter with judgment. And here's why. Um, I was watching The Daily Show, or not The Daily Show, what's the HBO show? Oh, gosh. No, no, no. Bill, yeah. Real time with Bill Maher. And, and he was just talking about uh, the increases per generation in the gay community. Mm -hmm. So like our generation, it's like 1.5%. The next generation, it's like 6%. The next generation is 12%. Now it's over 22% of young people today identify as LGBT, LGBTQIA. IA. There we go. He said, so by 2054, we're all going to be gay. That's what he's saying, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so here's, so when you and I were going to school, right? It, the argument was it's biological. Mm -hmm. You were born this right. way. Now we have the trans issue. Sex is a social construct. Mm -hmm. So my question is, what is it? Well, the truth is, you know, it's probably a combination of both. But here's what we have to understand. Your daughter is going to be raised in a society where being gay, being trans, being LGBTQ is, is going to be a pressure that she's going to mm -hmm. face. And so to say that, well, I just want to be accepting a grace field is basically to throw her to the world that doesn't love her the way that you do right. and doesn't care for her the way you do. And so here's what I would say. God made her a girl and that matters. Gender is real. Gender is binary. It is male and it is female. That is a scientific fact. Uh, but there are people who struggle uh, on the on the periphery uh, with gender dysphoria and we need to have compassion for them and we need to have love for them and we should not condemn them. But here's where I think culture is wrong. In the name of being grace-filled for this small percentage of people, what we've done is we've subjected all kids to this struggle. And that's gross. Mm -hmm. That's gross. We, we needed to not condemn people who are trans. We needed to not condemn people who are gay. Uh, and let me just tell you, uh, kids aren't homophobic. Kids are mean. They're mean. Uh, they're racist. Yeah. They're sexist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> kids are cruel because kids are sinners. And we need to speak to that. Um, I was just talking with some friends last night at dinner and their kids go to a Christian school. And, and what was happening to their son was breaking my heart. Because even Christian kids at a Christian Absolutely. school are cruel. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know. Um, and, and we need to learn to deal with that. And so so, so here's what's happening in our culture. What used to be the struggle of a very, very small percentage right. is now the struggle of every kid. And I feel like what's different also is that our kids are being asked to choose. Yes. No one ever asked me, what's your gender? What's your sexuality? Yeah. There yeah. was a couple of girls that we yeah. kind of knew were yeah. gay um, or some boys that you know, dressed a little bit more feminine, but no one ever asked me to choose a label or right. choose my gender or right. anything where our kids are constantly being barded with that in every, you know, Scooby-Doo. Now yeah. they're saying Velma's gay or whatever, oh, yeah. you know, and then they think they made Shaggy black. I'm like, we're just kind of <laughs> going over yeah, yeah, the yeah. top, trying yeah. to be super relevant and then losing everybody. Yeah. But I feel like our kids are being asked to choose 
all sorts of labels that they don't even have context for. Yeah, and yeah. even I find like a lot of kids, they don't, it's not even so much sexual. They just want to look and be something. They want to have a label because they want to be relevant yeah, or they yeah. want to be cool. Yeah. Well, I think, be- I think being gay or trans or, and I'm sorry. And if you, anybody's LGBTQ, I'm, I'm not intentionally not being able to articulate. It's just the vowels keep growing and yeah. I, and I, it's just yeah. getting too, too long for me to say, um, this is pressure that kids don't need. And so as parents, what we need to teach our kids is here's what the world says. Here's what yes. God says. Yeah. So really the issue for your husband, your husband probably needs to have some grace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there's some wounding, maybe there's some scarring there mm-hmm. from his childhood. Mm-hmm. We need to love people who are different from us. We need to have grace for people who disagree with us. Um, we have gay people that go to Sandals Church. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are living out uh, what I believe is the biblical command to to abstain from sex and some are not. All are welcome. Our, our, our theology does not change. Uh, but we give grace to them as they come. I believe uh, sex is to be biblically, sex is between one man, one woman for life. We have divorced people in our church. Right. Man, I've been here long enough. I'm like, I, dude, I've been the pastor here and you're on your fifth marriage. I need you to slow down. <laughs> yeah. You know, reel um, it in. And what they're doing <laughs> yeah. is they're sinning. Yeah, and absolutely. So, and so just because the world's view on divorce has changed doesn't mean that God's view, That's right. God right. hates divorce mm-hmm. because it is the ripping apart of someone's soul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God has said that sex is to to be between one man and one woman. Um, you may not have those desires, but all of us as Christians are going to come to the scripture and the Bible is going to say we should act against our desires. I mean, some people in our church absolutely are opposed to giving. Mm. It's their money. They made it. They shouldn't be asked for it. I disagree. Yeah. I think all, all, all the money that I have is God's money. And I, I, I want to be able to, to give to the Lord. And I, and I think it's a blessing to give to God. Um, people disagree. Yeah, 80% of our church doesn't give. 80? Yeah, it's 80%. 80% oh does gosh. not give. Come on, uh, come on y'all. Yeah, what right, is going no. on? <laughs> right, no, but, yeah. but, that's, but that's a personal issue. And so yeah. Christianity becomes real when we invite our faith into our personal issues. Yeah. Sex is a personal issue. Um, you know, our, our, our money is a personal mm-hmm. issue. What we watch, the mm-hmm. Dahmer thing that mm-hmm. we keep coming back to, right? <laughs> um, why are you watching that? Yeah, and, and, and part of that is just, we, want it, we, don't want to, we don't want to be different than everybody else. We want to jump in and be able to talk about it and- Man, you know, there are some things that are so evil that you're like, you know, I, I don't think we should talk about it. So I think your husband needs to chill. Mm-hmm. If there's some homophobia there, homophobia is sin. Yes. We cannot, right. we cannot hate, wish harm, um, you know, uh, treat people who are gay like they have some kind of disease. That That's gross. Mm-hmm. We have to love them as our brothers and sisters in Christ and they are welcome to the church. On the other end, we can't just say, well, you know, do whatever you want, you know, it's your body. And I hear this in the gay community constantly, even on the issue of abortion, uh, the issue that God has given us, oh, what's the word? Um, Authority over our bodies. They they use a word, uh, autonomy over our bodies. Man, that is is not what Corinthians says. Your body was bought with a a price, therefore honor God in your body. It is no longer your own. You are not your own. And so um, as a Christian, my body is not my own. Mm -hmm. And so- as a Christian who now lives in a body that I don't own, it's been purchased by Jesus, I need to live so accordingly. And so what I would say to your daughter is we're going to love you no matter what. Yeah. Um, if there are people in our church uh, who are raising gay kids, you got to love them no matter what. They're, they are your children. You got to love them. And you just got to say, I don't agree because of what God's word. Don't make it personal. Right. Say, look, this is what my faith says. And just as you are following your 
beliefs, I am following mm-hmm. mine. And um, yeah, I think that's good with this series. I think that that's why the series about being different is so yeah. powerful because right. you said it, it's not just this issue, homosexuality or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why this series is so powerful about yeah. being different because right. it's not just this issue. It's any issue. It's our life. Yeah. Are we going to live it like the world or right. are we going to live it according to the word of God? Yeah. And I think when we evaluate our Christian walk, we have to go, okay, do we believe this? Do yeah. we believe what it says? Are we going to obey what it says? We are not our own. We we died. Right. And our real life is hidden with Christ and God. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So good. I love that. Yeah. So um, I'll be praying for you as you yeah. raise your kid and- yeah. And just know there's going to be many areas of disagreement mm-hmm. uh, as you parent and and the disagreements change and, and the disagreements I think are different because you, you have son and daughters. Yeah, I have yeah. a son and two daughters. Uh-huh. Our, Tammy and I's issues were different with our girls mm-hmm. as and, and different with our son. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. That yeah. Sometimes we flip-flop, sometimes we switch, um, you know, and again, that's why I think kids need two parents because mm-hmm. you need the male perspective and you need the female Absolutely. perspective and both are so valuable Um to child rearing, um, because the kid needs needs both of those voices Absolutely. from different different perspectives. I didn't grow up with I grew up with all sisters, so okay. I didn't know what I, my son was jumping off of things and yeah. parkouring. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, so you ha- I had to have my husband go. He's fine. Yeah. You know, I yeah, know. I know. absolutely. Yeah, I'm, neither of our girls escaped their crib. Our son flipped out, <laughs> fell out, crawled out, climbed out. Like he was like bars. I will climb this. Yeah, you know? And so it was just, you know, it was completely different. You know, we'd, we'd wake up in the morning and find him all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, the girls, they were right in the crib. You know, they right. may have wanted out, but they, they were right. like, oh, I can't climb that. He right. was like over the top. Yeah. Didn't care about breaking his neck or anything. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be praying for you. But again, yeah. let me, I want everyone to hear this. You know, being LGBTQ used to mean being diff, being different. Now I think it's, being the same as Christians. Now we have to be different. We have to be the ones who are unusual. And we say, I don't do with my body, whatever I want. And, um, I I do something different, but, but as, uh, especially heterosexual Christians who are married, we have to understand the commitment level that our fellow gay Christians are making. They care so deeply Mm -hmm. about their relationship with Jesus that they're choosing to not be intimate. And, and, and we all crave that. We Mm -hmm. crave that close connection. And so we need to champion them and celebrate them and, and praise God for them because there are, you know, gay Christians in our church who are saying, I am abstaining mm-hmm. from sex and intimacy uh, for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And man, you shouldn't treat that as weird. You should treat that as the example. Yeah, that, that, that is, that's like varsity level mm-hmm. Christianity, mm-hmm. man. They're, they're living it, they're owning it. And, um, and that's a struggle mm-hmm. that's unique to something you and I will never experience. Yeah, you know, uh, we struggle in our marriage. Mm-hmm. They're choosing to never be married mm-hmm. and we need to honor that and, and celebrate that. And so, um, like I said, yeah. you know, you and your husband are struggling in different ways. You both right. need to come. Uh, and we're going to get to this verse in a couple of weeks, submit one to another out of reverence for mm-hmm. Christ. And, and that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Submission's an ugly word. Mm-hmm but it's a biblical word and it's what should make us different in our Christian marriages. Okay, God, we're going to start with submitting to you. Here's what God's word says, and we're going to move forward from there. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Um, last question. Oh yeah. Wow. Kim from Huntington beach. It's hard to, 
distinguish, sorry, at times whether God or Satan is opening doors of being influential in my life. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. This idea has caused me at times to change direction, confusing Satan's prodding with God's will. Mm. How can I be sure that a door, a door that is opening in my life is from God and not from the devil? I once heard that God knows my thoughts and Satan can only influence the things that I say or mm. speak out loud. Yeah. What's your opinion on that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So Satan doesn't read minds Mm -hmm. uh, he reads our lips yeah so he reads that that's why our words are so important um um you know satan can tempt us based upon you know what he watches us do what what he watches us watch uh and what he hears us say but he can't read our minds uh the holy spirit can read our minds because he dwells in us Mm -hmm. and so um what I would say is, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the whole open door thing because re- really what I think that is, it's a theology of ease. So when God opens the door and this is easy, this is easy, it must be God's will. Mm-hmm. Nothing about starting Sandals Church was easy. There were no doors that were opened. <laughs> I had, I had thousands of doors slammed in my face, but that's what God called me to do. Yeah. And so what I would say is the way that we discern is this, um, is this the devil is the Lord is, as we look at the substance of what it is, um, you know, it's a promotion. Why do I want a promotion? Uh, well, it's more money. Okay. Is it more time away from church? Mm-hmm. Is it, does it mean you can't go to community group? That's not the Lord. Right. Like you, 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 you have to have your priorities and you have to say, okay, God's first and then everything else is second. And so many people that don't attend church now have chosen a profession over their profession of faith. Mm-hmm. And and so you need to look at that and say, okay, is this open door, you know, I'm using her language, right. going to grow me in my faith, grow me in my mission, uh, grow me in my calling? And mm-hmm. I'd say it comes back to your calling. Like when um, Harper Collins came to me and said, I-, I tried for years to get a book deal and it was, it just was awful. It didn't work out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every door got slammed in my face. Um, I had a very unique relationship with my, um, my editor, mm-hmm. not a great relationship. <laughs> um, but you know, he started calling me in 2020 and wow. I didn't call him back. Um, and he said, Matt, I know you're not calling me back. Call me back. So I called him back and he just said, look, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a, a an agent anymore. He said, I, I, I'm now the vice president of Harper Collins publishing and I'd love to give you a book deal. And so, um, I met with them. We met at the mission Inn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they flew out and met with me. And I just said, look, I'm a pastor first. Mm-hmm. Right. My, my calling is to this church. I don't want to do anything. And, right. and they were going to give me a signing bonus. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like more, more money than I, like a check bigger than I'd ever received. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, look, I'm not going to do anything that's going to take me away from the church. The church is my first uh, responsibility. It's my first calling. I'm not going to travel around. I'm not going to do a bunch of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am I am going to make sandals first. And if you are okay with me being a pastor first and an author second, then I'm willing to move forward. And he said, yeah, that's fine. And and I'll, I'll give him credit. HarperCollins is not a Christian company. They have stayed true to that. I haven't had to do a bunch of traveling. I haven't had to go. I, I've never missed a Sunday mm-hmm. for them. And so I'm very, very grateful for that. But really it's understanding and cementing your calling and so then, it, you know, I don't like open door, but if there's an opportunity and it's yeah. a part of your calling, mm-hmm. then you take it, then you do it. And, 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 and you invite people to pray with you in it and, and invite people who are willing to offend you and tell you the truth. Because mm-hmm. most of us don't have a friend that are like, oh, man, I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't date mm-hmm. that guy. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't take that job. Here's my concerns. Um, 
we need people that will express their concerns honestly and openly. Yeah. And we need to be mature enough as believers, uh, Kim, that we can take that. And not, mm -hmm. every, not everybody is. Um, you know, I don't, I don't give advice unless it's asked. And then when it's asked, um, Donna, I go, is you really want to hear yeah. what I think? Yeah. Like, cause most people don't. Mm -hmm. Um, and most people make decisions without praying, without considering, without seeking counsel, um, without seeking wisdom. And, and, and they make grave mistakes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. grave mistakes. And, um, yeah, I hear you say, affirm your calling, know yeah. what you're called to do in the season, whether that is yeah. in your community group or ministry right. or you're volunteering. And then if this door of opportunity opens, is it going to pull you away from, yeah. that's how you know if the enemy is sending something to distract you or pull yeah. you away from your calling God, or if this is something that God wants to use to bless your life. Yeah. She said, I wanted you to speak about this, the prince of the power of the air, the scripture. Right. Um, can you just expound a little bit on that. Because yeah. she was saying this idea of Satan be the the prince of the power of the air is what has caused her at times to change direction. Mm. Yeah, so so let me say it this way. Satan is the God at work on earth. Jesus is the God at work in us. That's good. That's how I would say it. Mm -hmm. And so, so what we have to be aware is, and I'm not saying that... Um, I'm saying when I when I say that Satan is God, I'm using little g, which is what Paul uses mm -hmm. uh, to describe... Um, Satan as a God at work. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to use language for us to understand Satan is far more powerful than we understand. Mm -hmm. And he has abilities that we cannot comprehend. It's not saying he's equal to, equal to God or that he is in fact a God. Like there are many gods. He's just using that word, but he, but he is the power of the Prince of the air. I think that's mm -hmm. the NIV that she, that's how they've translated sure, that sure. very difficult passage. Um, so so he's at work in the world. Satan, excuse me, Jesus is at work in his church, in That's his good. believers. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do is ask Jesus to speak to me. Is this what you want me to do? I have this opportunity. I have this platform. You know, I meet people all the time. I want to be famous for God. Is it for God? <laughs> you know, um, because Probably most people not. want to be, because the scripture says live quiet and peaceful lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, but people want to have this platform. And, and here's the thing. Platforms expose us, they don't cover us. Yeah. I just had this conversation with one of our pastors who um, has been promoted and is struggling. And that's what I said. I said, look, man, the higher you achieve in the church, the more your weaknesses are exposed. Mm -hmm. And so you may be doing just fine at the level you are. You go up a level. Um, I mean, think about my life, my position, every word. There's yeah. probably somebody right now that's typing yeah. <laughs> every word that I'm saying and they're going to, you know, start a podcast, how Matt Brown said, right. Satan is God, right? right? So they're, right, going to take right. That, they're going to take that one thing out of context <laughs> right. and they're going to, and they're just going to harp on that and write that. Um, and so, well, I mean, I could say that's unfair, but that's part of the platform mm -hmm, that God mm -hmm. has given me. So I have to be very, very careful in what I say. Um, so what I would just say is, is I would say, get people in your life that ask, you know, am I mature enough? Can mm -hmm. I handle this? Um, you know, so I think there's a maturity issue and then there is a time issue because mm -hmm. in one way, we're exactly like Jesus. He had 24 hours a day, seven days a week and promotions and platforms usually take time. And I think one of the, the things that Satan has continually done. So when Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, God wants you to let his people worship. The first thing that Pharaoh does is he busies the people. Mm -hmm. He increases the work. Mm -hmm so that they don't have time. So what he's thinking is they're gonna be so busy, they're not gonna have time to yeah, think about God. And we need to understand that yeah. that is a constant strategy of the devil. Hmm. Um, I got, I, I've got to do this. 
Uh, I see parents all the time. Oh, my kid wants to play baseball. It's got to be travel ball. And I'm like, man, hmm. travel ball is a religion unto itself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a small chance your kid's going pro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, there's, a, there's a large chance your kid's going to get lost. Yeah. And, and, and when you're taking them away from the one hour a week right. of God they get, right. I, I'm sorry, I'm not a big fan. Mm -hmm. They need that hour. They need that time. Just like they have to practice their sport, they have to practice their faith. Absolutely. And, and that's essential. So so that's where we have to be really, really careful. And so what I would just say is uh, Satan knows our weaknesses. He knows where to challenge us. He knows where to tempt us. We have to be aware of that. Um, and so we have to invite people into our lives to speak against that. Um, but the good news is because of God's grace, because of his rich mercy, we have Christ. We are one with Christ seated with him mm -hmm. in heaven at yeah. the throne. And so I say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, Lord, how do you want me to navigate this? And we all have to do that because the world is overwhelming and we have to constantly seek out God. Mm -hmm. It's just so, so essential. And there are going to be times, honestly, Kim, where you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Uh, you're going to think it was God. You're going to move through and go, wow, that was the enemy. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's why I don't like the open, it's kind of like, Christian lingo. Oh mm -hmm. God, open this door. And it's like, well, right. right. You know, sometimes he calls us to knock doors down. Mm -hmm. So, um, right. So Jesus That's says the gates of hell will not prevail against <laughs> us. That right. means we're attacking that gate. Right. We're not waiting for God to open right. it. Right. He says, charge it. So, so, so I think it's a, it's a difficult scenario, Kim, that's going to be different in every situation. And I can't give a blanket statement mm -hmm. that answers every scenario for all time. Yeah. Great question. That was great. Yeah. No, it was good. I think Thanks, Kim, for, I think all of us wrestle with those things, those opportunities that open before us. But I think those things were good. If you affirm your calling, have people in your life that can speak into that or tell you, hey, girl, mm -mm, yeah. you know, and then you walk through it and you see what the Lord has for you. Um, and then really just find that time in prioritizing God, prioritizing prayer, prioritizing hearing from God so that you know I'm listening, Lord, whatever you have for me. I right. think that's good. Awesome. Well, these were great. Thanks, yeah, thanks everyone. Questions. Thank yeah. you so much for, for uh, taking the time to ask. Please watch the sermon every week. It is called Different. It is powerful. I think in today's world, this is what we need. We need difference. We need those, especially in the church, who are going to stand up and be different and be uh, unapologetic about yeah. that. And um, again, if you have questions after the sermon or something happens in the news yeah, yeah. And, or you're watching something like, I'm not going to say his name again, guys, uh, yeah. move.sc forward slash ask. We'd love to hear from you. We're excited about this season. Please tune in and keep sharing with everybody that uh, you know, especially the sermon. Watch, watch, watch and share. Yeah. All right. Bye. Hey, thanks for checking out the debrief podcast with Matt Brown. The Debrief Podcast is produced by Sandals Church and is a show where Matt Brown answers questions on faith and culture. If you've enjoyed The Debrief and want to help us create more content that helps people grow in their faith and in their journey of being real, I want to invite you to visit donate.sc. Thanks for joining us and God bless.